everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Climber podcast is Angie Ossel. Angie falls under the maker category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We chat about her jewelry, culture, and why art must be accessible to all. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hello. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really am honored and humbled. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. So my name is um, Angie Alsen. Um, I'm a Lebanese-American artist in New York City. Wonderful. And when you say artist, what exactly do you do? Um, so currently, my main thing has been jewelry. Um, but I majored in sculpture when I was in school. And I dabble in, like, I, I paint. I, I It's kind of like mixed media, I guess. Maybe that's a good way to, <laughs> to to put it for now. Yeah, cool. Yeah, then that uh, that touches on a lot of different things, I think. Um, so I met you because I was looking for vendors for a um, Smart Glamour runway show where I, the past two of them, I have invited other folks who make things uh, or ethically produce things in some way to come vend alongside me at my events. And this past time when I was trying to find folks, I was mostly finding people by searching hashtags on Instagram, um, things like handmade handmade in new york city etc mm-hmm. etc et and somehow through that i found you <laughs> I, I contacted you because you you made a post in this facebook group um oh yes 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 right. yeah right so that was the okay yes thank you for correcting me that was the <laughs> other way that i was, was that i was posting in different um art related Facebook groups. And yes, you responded to that one. So I, I, I was looking for folks that way. And then I was also looking for folks through Instagram through hashtags, because I was just trying to find people who, mm. who make cool things. Um, so you came and you sold your jewelry. Um, could you talk a little bit more about what kind of jewelry you make and when you started making it? Mm-hmm. Um, so my jewelry is based off of uh, Arabic orchestral instruments. Um, and I actually got the idea because I started learning uh, Arabic percussion. Um, I've always loved music, and I grew up mm. listening to music, you know, having two Arab parents, but um, I never really learned how to play an instrument. Um, and I found my dad's old drum, um, and it's it's a hand drum, so um, there's a lot of names for it across the Arab world, but um, the main names, like in Egypt, for example, they call it tabla. In Lebanon, they call it derbeki. Some places call it dumbek, darbuka, but essentially it's a goblet drum. So I started learning, learning, you know, percussion. I fell in love immediately, um, like literally immediately. It was, it's kind of funny. I'm like, I'm gonna dedicate my life to this now after playing for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've always just, you know, and then I, I was like, I like jewelry. Um, when it comes to fashion, I'm kind of clueless in terms of dressing myself. Like I'm relatively clueless, but I'd love. I've always loved accessories. So I, it's it's funny. I have tons of like earrings and bracelets and stuff, and like no pants. But like, <laughs> like I never, I can't choose pants. But like, I can choose jewelry and like sunglasses and stuff like that. Um, and so I, I tried to Google um, like darbuka earrings or darbeki earrings, tabla earrings. I was trying every term I knew, um, and nothing came up. And I was just like, "F it, I'll just make it myself." Um, and I, I was working in, uh, 3d printing at the time 
and so I, I modeled, you know, I 3D modeled. I, I learned 3D modeling just to make this first pair of earrings for myself. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like, if I'm like, I need this skill, and let me learn it. <laughs> um, and then I, and so I essentially, I made, like, mini versions of my drum. I actually just used nail polish for that first pair, like, old, goopy nail polish that I have. <laughs> um and it looks just like my 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 drum um and I'd wear it everywhere because I was like so proud of it I even told like my percussion instructor I was like look what I did like um and then I would notice on the train and stuff people were always like oh my god like your earrings are so cool like what is that and I would explain Mm -hmm. um or other uh Arab or you know Middle Eastern Southwest Asian, however, you know, whichever term, North African people would see my earring like, oh, my God, like, where'd you get that? That's so cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, this is a nice opportunity, given that I'm in New York City, for people who aren't of this background or don't um, don't know about this culture and music, like it's an opportunity to expose and normalize. Um, And then for people that do have a background where, you know, this drum is the drum, like when someone says drum, they think of this, not of like a drum set. You know, it's just nice to see that exposure. And so I was like, wow, I had this opportunity to kind of like, you know, reach these different audiences um, with different intention. And then I started, you know, expanding into other types of percussion, initially, initially just percussion. But now I have like melodic instruments, percussive instruments. Um, I launched what I'm calling a cultural collection where it's not instruments. My whole thing is that like, you know, connection and joy are also music to my ears. <laughs> um, so it's still relevant, I swear. But, um, <laughs> um, and so I have things like hummus. Um, I have knefi, which is um, originated in Palestine, but it's kind of, especially in like the Levantine area of the Middle East or the Arab world. Um, it's a really common, like cheesy, gooey, delicious uh, food. Um, something called, which actually originated in South America, metti, um, like yerba mate, but I'm probably pronouncing it wrong in like, you know, for where it originated, but, um, right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Lebanese and Syrian people immigrated to South America, um, you know, a long time ago. And then they, when they came back, they brought, you know, metti as we call it with them. And so it's, it's also part of like Levantine culture. Oh, I'm working okay. on uh, hookah pipe earrings as well. Um, some of these are two-dimensional now. So I've, man- I've found a process that is still handcrafted, but um, I wanted to have options that aren't only hand-painted. Like, it's still my artwork. Um, mm. I just made the the visuals digitally for some products just to have different options. Because, I, I, you know, hand-painted stuff takes a long time. I mean, you know how you, you also, do, you know, you make clothes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, obviously, it's, like, different than having a machine just like spit out things. And so, yeah. you know, handmade things cost more, which like I mm-hmm. understand. Um, but I wanted to have another like subset of items that still look nice and they're my creation, my design, and my hand was involved, but I'm not, you know, painting something for four hours. Right. Um, so kind of like, like, a, like a more affordable option. That's great. And um, the the food items that you mentioned, so they're like, literally like a little bowl of hummus like is that what it looks like well yeah <laughs> think of like <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm picturing I know like I did get that idea but um the same thing of like like I know how to make it but the mm-hmm. labor that would go into it and what I expect people would be willing to pay for it like kind of conflicted so think of like an aerial view of that bowl so it's 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 a all the all the stuff in the cultural collection right now is uh two-dimensional stuff Oh, okay. Um, 
so basically what I do, I just like draw on the computer. Like I use Adobe Illustrator. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just cut out the image and insert it into um, a base that I 3D printed. Like I 3D model it and then I print, I 3D print it and then I insert and then I 2D print my <laughs> my my drawing and insert it and coat it in resin just so it kind of seals it. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, like they look, I'm really happy with them. And what's funny, like, I feel like I'm cheating on myself if I wear any other jewelry now. So like all I do is... <laughs> Mm. <laughs> like I only wear my my earrings. <laughs> yeah, I I feel that way about clothes. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> um and was I mean obviously you are an artist and a sculpture so you're a maker but um just even now when you're mentioning making the 2D ones and you know giving the caveat of like they're not really handmade because you're using a machine. I mean, so then you could technically say that none of my clothes are handmade because I'm using sewing machines. So I, I, I personally still think that those are handmade. Those are, you know, those are those are crafted by you. Mm, um, and no, yeah, because I, 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 I mean, would say handcrafted or like handmade, mm. just because like I don't know, like I never know. I do my best to be transparent, just because like some people might like in terms of my stuff. Like Mm -hmm. some people might see handmade and think that I like, I don't know, like hammered each 3D drum. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, I don't know what other people would think. And so I do my best to kind of just like, just so nobody's like, you lied. Like, I don't know. Because like, like when I think of, for example, handmade clothes, like I'm not expecting that, like nobody, the average person doesn't think that like, I don't know, you like spent six years like weaving the fabric itself. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean like like like, like I, I feel like the words have different weight and also um mm-hmm. I feel like the average person like maybe they don't know how to sew but they've like seen a sewing machine before and so when when they when they when they think of clothes like they vaguely know how they're made um but with a lot of visual art like just, just based on like customers like when they're like oh like did you do this and I'm like what no um mm-hmm. um yeah, like I don't. Maybe it's just like a art education thing, starting from um, a younger age. Like people just aren't exposed or knowledgeable about a lot of processes. Um, yes, I a hundred percent agree with that. And actually, what you're mentioning about like people, they might not know how to sew, but they've seen a sewing machine. Probably, I mean, the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people that don't think that humans are still making clothing. Like they think that they think that there's some kind of big machine that's doing it and that's why things can be so inexpensive when the mm-hmm. fact of the matter is things that can be so inexpensive because people are being ex- exploited exactly. like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's something I actually I, I talk about a lot um especially in regards to like um you know my community supporting me or just like certain people supporting me or not supporting me because something I've noticed is that like I'm sure everybody who's started a business or um, is a maker of any kind or even just like an artist of any kind can relate to is like like I know people that if Gucci were making the same exact thing that I am mm. but having like I don't know child laborers making three cents an hour mm-hmm. um but then you know charging like six hundred dollars for what I do like they'd be all over it right like they they wouldn't think they wouldn't think oh that's too much or like 
oh, hey, like, how about you give it to me for free because we're friends or like, you know, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like every every artist has like gray hairs from comments like that from people they know. (laughs) (laughs) Or even just random accounts on Instagram. Oh, my God. Yes. Or it's like, it's like, oh my God, like, can you give me this product that's worth like X, Y, Z for free just because I'll, you know, share it. And I'm like, that's not going to guarantee me more sales. Like, oh yeah. You know, it's like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I've, you know, I've, I've collaborated and partnered, however you want to call it with folks who either call themselves influencers or don't, but you know, Mm -hmm. have, have a following and you know some of those partnerships have been uh efficient and worthwhile monetarily and some of them have not some of them have been very easy and smooth and lovely processes and some of them have not <laughs> um yeah like, like it's, which is bound to happen like that's something I've, yeah. I've also learned like cuz like like i'm there are certain times where i am reaching out to people and offering them something for free you know, or like, mm-hmm. or, you know, working like, but like, it has to come from me. And that's what people don't realize. Like, I don't like when somebody comes at me and just expects it for free for like, no mm-hmm. reason. Um, right. And I also suggest that like, if people are going to reach out because they really think that like, this partnership makes so much sense, I am the person to promote your product for you. Like, you know, put together all of that, that thought into like a nice, thoughtful, message maybe have already been interacting with my stuff Mm -hmm. you know yes exactly exactly not just I could look back in my notifications and see you followed me two minutes ago and now you're sending me a message telling me how much you love my brand no you don't you just found me and you're you're copy pasting (laughs) exactly definitely (laughs) (laughs) um but I just got in a total tangent that I didn't think we were going to get on, but that's great because I, I do love um, making that point. But um, so could you talk a little bit about like why having things handcrafted is important to you? Like whether that's the jewelry that you're making mm. or art that you make, like, wh- like what started that type of um, creation uh, becoming important in your life? Mm. Part of it is like love that you put into these objects that you make. Um, like I, I really do feel like I put myself, like I put my energy um, and passion like into objects um, that I create or like paintings or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think for me, like art initially in my life was a language, like mm. a way of uh, a vehicle of like communication. I've always been very chatty and, like, my mom always tells people how I was, like, speaking full sentences before, like, age one. So I've, I've like, always talked. But um, communication is, like, there's so many different outlets for that. And I've always been able to express myself and, like, find new ways of expressing myself via art. And another joke I always tell people is, like, when I was in kindergarten, we had to make this, like, timeline of our life. Which, looking back now, I'm like, we were five. Like, what was this teacher? Like, what? <laughs> that's a lot yeah it's like it's like <laughs> the timeline is like two inches long <laughs> like we don't even remember like the first like three years <laughs> like, <laughs> but um and me just being being myself like 
on my birthday, I put in like all capital letters. I was like, an artist was born. Like I was so dramatic. Um, oh my goodness. I know. Like it's just like a five year, everyone else is just like my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, and these like angry all caps. I'm like, an artist was born. I may as well have wow. my finger and like sprinkled blood on it. Like it was, it was so unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And like, you know, um, so I've always I've always just loved art and I, I also feel like um it it teaches you so much. Like being committed to any kind of craft is really important. Um mm-hmm, it teaches mm-hmm. you patience, it teaches you forgiveness. Um for me, like, you know, I I've always been kind of a perfectionist, but art I'm not like where I wanna be yet in terms of like getting out of that. But accidents happening happening when I'm doing something or like you know, a drawing not coming out how I want it or an idea not coming to life how I want it. Like learning forgiveness, um, you know, art taught me forgiveness for myself. And I just like, and of course, for me, like I, I like attention. And so I like when somebody looks at something that I've made and is like, oh, oh, oh my God, like this is gorgeous or like, wow. Like um, I, I like that feeling, uh, which sounds kind of like diva, but like whatever. I'm being real. I don't think it sounds either. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I like, I like getting a, a positive reaction out of people, or, or sometimes, because um, something I've noticed in my, um, like, just paintings, like, what's I had a friend who like moved to a new place, and I was like, oh, I want to make you like a housewarming gift, and I made a painting, um, but then I was like, I was like, hey, like, I'm gonna have to make you something else because this painting to me just screams like I need therapy. Like, um, it was kind of like in, in the, <laughs> um, cause sometimes, you know, I'll make work and like any sadness that I have in- internally, even if I don't mean for it to, like it comes out on that and in that work. Um, mm. and so, but sometimes people connect with that. Like if they also have even if it's for a different reason, if they also have something weighing them down inside, like it's, it's a great way to connect. Of course. Um, and then, uh, damn, I had something else. I was like, like one last thing to like seal the, like why, why I like art. Well, wait, did your friend, did your friend like let you make another thing? Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were like, they were like, take your time. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. No, no, yeah. Cause, I mean like they didn't, they didn't, not that they didn't care, but like they weren't like, where's my thing? Like it wasn't. Yeah. Like- I'm, I more meant like, not that they were going to be upset that you were going to make something else and it was going to take time, but more of the concept of like, you know how sometimes, especially when it's like something you've made and, and you're, you'll be like, well, th- this isn't good enough, blah, blah, blah. But the, mm. then the person might be like, no, 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 it is. I love it. And I, and I, I want it. Like, that's more what I was oh, thinking. Oh, no, no. I mean, I, I didn't show it to them at all. I was like, I was like, you don't need to see this. Like, <laughs> it was really, like, I was even, I was shocked. Like, you know, because I just kind of like, painted out because they had no like oh I want this or they just let me kind of do whatever and I was like cool I'm gonna do whatever and then I was like maybe I shouldn't do whatever because like everything I'm feeling because it was kind of in in the midst of like quarantine Mm. um and I I was like I was like maybe I shouldn't do whatever I'm feeling inside because like (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) but what's funny my mom saw it and she was like I love it (laughs) okay mom take my like I need therapy painting (laughs) because like you can have it, whatever. <laughs> um, are your paintings representational or are they more abstract or um usually more abstract, I would say. Um and in my drawings, like I have a sketchbook, um, and I've been 
dedicating it to uh, like self portraits. Mm. Um, and so I let myself kind of do like whatever. So like if I'm feeling like drawing a, a very like, oh, this is clearly me. This is clearly a, a person, face, hair, et cetera. Like I'll, I'll do that. Um, but other times I just kind of like colors or shapes or blobs or, you know, lines. Like not, it doesn't look like anything, but um, to me it represents me. Wow, that's really cool. Um, so I also wanted to touch a little bit on, um, I know that you also do dancing. Mm. How long have you been doing that? Mm. Um, I would say, I'm trying to think, maybe three years ago, four years ago. It's it's definitely more more recent um, in my mm. life. Like, I've always loved dance. Um, and I've definitely always wanted to. But this is something where self-esteem was the thing getting in the way. Mm. Um, but, like, my aunt on my mom's side, like, she's an amazing dancer. Um, and it also connects to Arabic music too. Like, you know, she, um, belly dances so well Mm -hmm. and like was always just so graceful and like feminine, um, whatever that word even means. But to me, I always found her just like so feminine. Um, and I loved that. And like, I grew up like looking like kind of like a boy, like I had like, you know, again, whatever that means. But, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, I, I stereotypically, like, I had, like, short hair, and I was kind of hairy, and, like, whatever, um, and so I always felt like I, I wasn't allowed to dance, especially this particular dance, which is, like, mostly associated with women, mm. um, and so I always felt like, oh, no, I can't, and then, like, I had kind of, like, body issues, like, I was, uh, bigger than everybody in my, um, when I was growing up, like, and I was always, like, taller, um, and had, like, a bigger build, um, and so I always used to feel like, oh, like, I can't do that because like, I don't look a certain way. And even, you know, when, when people think of belly dancers, oftentimes we don't even think of like an Arab person, you know, we tend to, to imagine kind of like a very slender, straight haired, light skin, um, Caucasian or European descent person. Um, and so like, you know, that also added to me kind of like, oh, like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't get into that. Um, but then I started going to the, um, I started getting more involved in like the Arab scene in New York city, mm-hmm. um, just like parties and stuff. And then I just like, and I used to be so shy that like, you know, you could put a gun to my head and tell me to dance or else. And I'd be like, shoot, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so bad, but then I don't know something I, like I've, I've, I've always just really wanted to, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and then I just kind of like let myself do it, you know, and I feel like I found a whole new side of myself that I didn't know that I was looking for. And then it also gave me kind of like, like unconditional love for my body, which I didn't Mm. know was possible for myself because I always wanted to look a certain way or like have a certain BMI, which is bullshit, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you definitely, which which is why I really respect, um, especially (laughs) I love your stories. Like your Instagram stories. <laughs> no, because like they really, because it's, then it's not just like these intangible concepts in my head anymore. Like I'm seeing how these mentalities are toxic and affect clothing, which is like, like we all wear clothing, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and everyone deserves to like look and feel their best. And, um, and I was, so I was definitely kind of like drawn in, like, you know, not liking myself because of, you know, the images I would see and, you know, and like, I didn't look like any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, even things like, you know, like my hair, like I have very curly kind of like bushy hair. 
which now I love, but it took me so long to, because like, um, especially as children, like if you're told something is like bad, you're going to like, oh, that's bad. And so like everyone saw like, you know, like, oh, like straight hair is pretty. And so like, I wasn't, um, but Dan Mm -hmm. just, you know, helped me connect to my roots and be less ashamed about it. Um, cause again, growing up in New York city, post nine 11, um, as an Arab is complicated. (laughs) Um, and so I had this sort of like weird, like love hate relationship with like just everything about myself. Um, but dance helped me, you know, get out of that, get out of like body issues and not saying that I'm, you know, again, like, Oh, uh, perfectly happy all the time. But like, I don't, I haven't stepped on a scale and I don't even know how long. Oh, um, which for me is like, you know, I used to count calories. Like I used to, mm. like, it was really bad. Like when I was, you know, I think 15, I was literally like chewing brownies and spitting them out. So I could like, so I could like, oh, man. you know, so I could like taste sweets, but then I didn't want to eat them because like, oh no, like I'll, you know, you know, and then I was, I was, I was an athlete for, um, 20, almost 20 years. Like I was a competitive tennis player. Um, and so like I had to eat healthy in general anyway, but like it was, it was just like not healthy. Like in, in terms of like my mindset was not healthy. Um, right. Right. You know, and, and yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm like forever grateful for, uh, for dance for, and I always encourage like, you know, even at parties and stuff, people are like, Oh, I'm like, no, 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 do it. Like it doesn't, don't care how you look or if you think you're moving in a nice way, like it does not matter. Like you, the connection you build with your body from the inside out is so important. And so I'm like very passionate. About, I mean, I'm kind of just a passionate person, but, um, mm-hmm. but I, I love dance for that reason. And then dancing socially, what's funny, like um, it reached a point where at certain parties, there'd, there'd be like a stage. So I would just go up because I'm just like, well, this is fun. Like, and then people would be like, oh, like how much, like, did they hire you to to be here? I'm like, what? And they're like, they're like, is this your job? And I, in my head, I'm like, huh, like it could be, couldn't it? Like if I, <laughs> um, so that kind of inspired me to like, um, you know, I mean, 20, what's, what's like kind of funny. Everyone has like, oh, 2020 was going to be the year for X, Y, Z. And so like, for me, like 2020 was going to be my year. Where I would like pursue like gigs to perform. And so it's kind oh. of funny that like COVID like yeah. washed all of that, but it's, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm healthy. I mm-hmm. have a roof over my head, so like I'm 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 lucky. But it was still just like ah, like <laughs> I was going to do yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like dance completely changed changed my life. Like I, yeah, just the way I feel about my body um, has completely changed. Yeah, a few things that you um, that you said in that uh, made me think of some a few things. So like when you mentioned um, dancing, just being like. A, a way to connect with your body and then therefore um, feel better about it. I think that, you know, I mean, I have so many thoughts on this, but like, first of all, when, when you mentioned like, Oh, it doesn't mean that I'm like, you know, great. I love myself all the time every day. I mean, literally no one does. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you'd have yeah. to be, you'd have to be like a narcissist to feel that way all the time <laughs> or something, something like that, you know, but um I do think that sometimes on the internet when people are talking about like (laughs) what they think body positivity is, or if they're just straight talking about self-love or whatever the case may be, it can come off as a little bit of like a, 
just love yourself. Come on. <laughs> but I, but I think that um, for a lot of people, they need like different tangible steps and things that they can do. And I often think that doing things with your body, whether that's dancing or sometimes for other people, as I've chatted with some, some models that model for me, it can be modeling. Um, you know, when we think about the things in the world that we are afraid of or that we don't know and therefore we have negative feelings about, even other people that we feel that way or other people feel that way about, it's it's because of the unknown factor. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more you stay disconnected from your body and um, unaware of it and trying not to look at it and not to use it, the scarier it can become and the more you can hate it. But when you start using it, you become more connected to it. And it's a lot harder to hate something that you're connected to, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree with and, that. And I'm also, this came up um, in my mind while you were talking, is that way at the beginning when you're talking about jewelry and accessories, you said that you were much more into accessories and into clo- than into clothes and you weren't really sure why. And I'm wondering if maybe it's this, <laughs> you know, like if you're yeah. no, it, it, if you're not connected to your body, then you're then you're probably not thinking about dressing. Dressing, it. You know, yeah, that's so true. Whoa, this became like a like a breakthrough session. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I always I always complain to friends like finding clothes that actually hug the right parts of my body is hard. Because um, uh-huh. like in the grand scheme of bodies, I'm probably on the smaller end. But in terms of general fashion i'm on the high end if that makes sense or the bigger end mm-hmm. i don't know if that, if that makes um that makes sense i mean it does to me because i know what you look like but i i would say you know you're kind of like a in, in what some people call like in betweenies right you're mm-hmm. kind of like on the line between straight and plus like you could be a curvier straight size person or you could be a smaller plus size mm-hmm. person and you probably like waver between the two kind of a thing mm-hmm. no yeah and so and then i also have kind of like a high waist um, mm-hmm. which finding like pants for can be annoying sometimes it's just like finding stuff that actually like fits like like the average pants for example like they normally like the band goes on your waist mm-hmm. but for me that's like may as well be my ears like my waist is really, <laughs> my waist is really high mm-hmm. um and then so pant like the part of the pant that's supposed to be on like kind of the smaller part mm-hmm. of my body ends up being on like the widest part of my body Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just like feels uncomfortable. So that's also why I like when it comes to buying clothes, it's just like some things that, that will look nice just like on a rack. And then I put it on and just, and like, I love comfort more than anything else. That's always my, my biggest priority. Like I would mm-hmm. rather look meh, but feel, you know, comfortable. Like I have my mobility and stuff like that. than like look quote unquote, like, you know, ideal, but then I, you know, I'm not comfortable. And so a lot of the clothes is just, just not comfortable. Um, but, then, but with with the jewelry, it's kind of just like, or you know, um, bracelets and like glasses. Or some glasses can be can fit in weird spots, but um, but yeah, like it's it's just harder to find. And then I have kind of like more of like a, a pear shape. So like yeah. the the weight of my lower body, like if you were to take a picture of like my upper body, my lower body, not that you wouldn't think they they go on the same body, but like at the same time, maybe you wouldn't expect that just because of how like petite my chest is compared to like my lower body. Yeah. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that everything that you're saying right now, um, none of that is odd or weird. Mm. Um, It's everyone. Bodies are not made from size charts. It's something that I say a lot. Bodies are just made. 
And then we created size charts so that we could mass manufacture things. Mm. So unless you look and are the same proportions and are the same size as the fit model that that company made their clothes off of, they're not going to fit you to, they're not going to fit you perfectly. Yeah, definitely. It's not going to happen because that's not how clothes are made. Mm. Um, And that's one of the biggest reasons why I started doing, why I, I mean, from the beginning, the, I created Smart Glamour to have customizations built in because I also, even though uh, I don't have a, the same body type as you, it's not too far off, but it's not the same. I also am high waisted, and so mm. for example, you I have the same problem <laughs> when I go to put buy pants, um, or I used to go buy pants. Um, they don't fit because uh, I have a very high front rise, which is that measurement that goes up from like your crotch up to mm. you know your belly button or wherever you want your pants to sit. And so even if I go to the store and I buy quote unquote high rise jeans, you know, they're not high rise enough for me. Mm. And so that then sets everything else off to be in the wrong spot. Yeah. Like you just said. Yeah. So really you get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So you got to get you got to get customized clothes. And, And I understand that like to a lot of people that sounds really scary and or luxurious and or too expensive to do. Um, which is again, why I tried to create smart glamour the way that it is, because, um, I think that everyone should be able to have access to clothes that fit them because I agree. You shouldn't wear clothes that are, un- that are uncomfortable. I don't wear clothes that are uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, um, but anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole separate tangent, <laughs> no, <tangent's been> <laughs> but, it, but it, but it can be done. I promise. <laughs> um, and I also wanted to chat a little bit about, um, I know we are, you kind of already brought it up, but, um, you know, your Lebanese background and recently we've kind of interacted with um, one another on social media with um, the explosion that happened in Lebanon and then the uh, raising of funds there. And I actually was kind of looking specifically towards you to try to find like the right places to send funds because I know that. Ugh, it gets so tricky, especially when it's in another country. No, and like, absolutely. if you don't know folks there, you could just try to go to like the big named place, no, you know, and then maybe the money's not going to be used properly. Or um, no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 hard to know like which sources are reliable, especially like if you know nobody there, because then there's always whenever tragedy happens, unfortunately, like there's always people who try to kind of like profit off it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the link in my bio on Instagram is, um, like a list kind of, of like, like vetted, like good places to potentially donate. Mm, um, okay. and, uh, in terms of like, you know, I'm donating all my jewelry, like hundred percent of my jewelry proceeds are going to Lebanese Red Cross, um, oh, wow. until 2021. Like that's just kind of like my way of trying to help from afar. You know, mm-hmm. I was actually, what's, um, really eerie is that, uh, so my mom and I were going to fly to Beirut, you know, in August, and we were supposed to be quarantining at the port on the day the explosion happened. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But, um, when we were leaving from New York city, they, they they didn't let us board the plane because even though our COVID tests were negative, like the way the document was for whatever reason, like they didn't accept it. And we were just like, what, why? But then we were like, you know what, whatever, um, we'll just like reschedule and fly, you know, like whatever. Um, but the scheduled, you know, time of our arrival was earlier that day on that Tuesday. Um, and then like, we would have had to quarantine in the port. And so it was, it was just really like, I was really spooked. Wow. Um, and 
like, I felt almost, like, guilty for being spooked because I'm, like, people died. People are homeless. People are missing. Like, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, kind of, like, my reaction is just, like, you know what? Like, let me do what I can to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, that, that's what I decided with my, um, with my jewelry. Um, mm-hmm. And I've raised uh, just over $1,000 so far. I donate weekly. Um, I post. Oh, that's on, wonderful. Yeah, I post it on my Facebook page. Like, I'm not – when it comes to social media, I've never been – despite being insanely extroverted, like I've never been like particularly active. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, for example, like I have um, a handle on Instagram, like reserved for my jewelry. I've just been too lazy to like actually update. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm, like, nobody else can take this name, but I haven't posted anything. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like got myself finally to make a Facebook page for the, for the jewelry. Just so it's just easier to like share stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so eventually I'll, you know, transfer everything that I have on Facebook, on that Facebook page also to the, you know, on Instagram, just because it's bigger reach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like every, every week I, whatever proceeds I made during the week from sales, I, um, I donate and then I make, I like screenshot the receipt or whatever. And I put, po- just so mm. people know that I, I try to be transparent. I don't want to be like, like, oh, I'm doing this. Just trust that I am. And like, don't, you know, show anything. <laughs> Right, right, for sure. But yeah. Um and I chose Lebanese Red Cross just because um over there like the people who work in the Red Cross are the first responders. Okay. It's a little bit different than like Red Cross here. Mm-hmm. Um so like I you know I trust like putting the money um into that. And there but there're tons of of resources. Like I can't list them all off the top of my head. Um but um but yeah, like the the link in my bio on Instagram has um at least a few of them there's just so there's so many different and like I've donated to specifically um like the queer community in Lebanon Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. there's also a lot of migrant workers and refugees in Lebanon that are um especially in cases like this are neglected like they may not be able to get the health care that they need I mean there's like a pandemic going on economic crisis like there's just so much going on um and so I, I do my best to like you know make separate donations um to organizations like that just because those are always the communities that end up being um neglected the most in general but especially during times like this like um you know for example some Lebanese hospitals may not have the resources to treat everyone that comes through and Mm -hmm. they may turn away people that like don't are not currently serious or like if they have an issue that the hospital just doesn't have equipment for they have to turn them away but then if you're a migrant worker or a refugee like the chances of you being turned away are going to be even more like, like, like right. there are Lebanese citizens also being turned away. But then that, that just means that there's nobody, you know, nobody else being considered. Um, right. It's, it's scary. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking what's, what's going on. Um, and I'm sure everyone in diaspora is always conflicted because it's like, like, what do we, what do we do? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then it almost feels like weird, like being happy sometimes. Just because it's like, you know, it's, it's like, what did I do to, to deserve, like, being here? Like, you know, right. my, my parents immigrated. Yeah, so it's just, it's always a lot. But, um, yeah, I do my best to at least help from afar. And that's why, like, connecting to my roots is so important to me. Um, mm-hmm. Especially being that when I was younger, like, I was kind of made to not like being Arab. Or, like, right. um, and, and then, like, it, it led to a kind of thing where, like, 
um, because my look is relatively ambiguous. Like if people thought it was something else, I'd just be kind of like, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> um, but, but now I'm like, no, like I'm unapologetically Arab. Um, mm-hmm. and I want to, you know, embrace the music, embrace the food, embrace the culture, um, embrace my hair, embrace the language, embrace, and then like help. Like if, you know, if, if I'm, I'm not going to connect to my roots just to like, huh, I'm Arab. That's cool. It's like, no, like I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, incorporate and like make big efforts to like incorporate my heritage into my life, like I should also, you know, help even while being afar. Like I, I can't say I love being Lebanese and then not give a shit about what happens in Lebanon. Absolutely. Um, and all my family's still there too. Like my extended, my extended, like my grandparents, my cousins, aunts, uncles, mm-hmm. like everybody um, is still there. And so it's like, mm-hmm. and I even have one of my cousins works in the, in the Red Cross, which is also why like I, I, I feel good. Like I know that if I donate to the Red Cross, like, you know, they, they do so much there. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, I think all of that, I mean, all of it makes sense. And I also do want to say that, like, I, I totally understand why you would, like, feel, you know, guilty being, feeling happy sometimes or, like, being here and the feeling you can't do anything. But I think just in, in for anyone in any situation where, um, you know, there's some kind of tragedy or even just now in general that we're in a pandemic, mm. um, I think you know trying to really be present when you are happy is so important because it it you know it refuels you and if you are empty you really can't efficiently help others so i do think that like you know rest is important um definitely you know sitting in your happiness is important (laughs) no absolutely and it's also just like you know i am alive and healthy and i should take advantage of that Mm-hmm. You know, and like for me, it's just like, you know, because there's always going to be somebody better off or worse off, right. however, however anybody defines that. And so it's like, you know what, like for me, it's like, no, like if I should keep up with friends and like, so I'm always conflicted because like I have that one part of me that's like, oh, like what did I do to deserve to be happy? But then like the other side is like, <laughs> is like everyone deserves it. And if yeah. we're blessed enough, like take it, take advantage. Don't let it go to waste. Yeah, absolutely. I think that just that just shows your your empathy. And I really appreciate I mean, just on a completely selfish level. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate everything that you post about about Lebanese culture, because I think I, I blurted out to you at my show that I'm yeah. my family is Lebanese, um, which is my grandfather's parents uh, emigrated here. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of that side of my family is just like, yep, we're white. Great. And they just like have forgotten it. Um, And so, and so because of that, and because those are the people that I have direct relation to, um, I really don't know much about it Mm -hmm. other than my grandfather's parents were Lebanese. And that's, and that, and that his name was Basil and they changed their last name when they came here. And that's all I got. No, definitely. Um, Even even my parents uh, or like my dad, at least because it's my dad's last name. Uh, mm -hmm. Because normally a lot of Arab last names have like the, the prefix like Al before it like mm. l or el however mm-hmm. people spell it but my mm-hmm. my dad wanted like my name to be a little bit more ambiguous or like our names like my i have a, I have a older brother um and so because asal or al-asal means honey in in arabic um oh. yeah and then they gave my my brother and i like my brother's name is anthony and i'm angela or angie but um my arabic name is ala you know so like everyone kind of does their best to like assimilate 
Um, right. You know, when they, when they come, which I always found interesting. And then I always like, I really appreciate when like parents give their kids like the quote unquote ethnic name. It's like, no, like stick, you know, stick. It's not that I like, like my parents made a decision and like Angie's cool. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I feel like nobody should ever have to be like, oh, like my name is ugly or weird like I always, I always feel kind of sad right. when like somebody feels they have to change it um you know to be here because it's like people with the last name like Tchaikovsky or like whatever like you know no, they never change maybe not never huh. but like but like a lot of people like you know they're fine just keeping their not that I know and like Ellis Island and stuff too maybe if people couldn't spell it they just kind of like fine just do that actually yeah. I have some friends uh one of them um, I think she's Irish and like her last name used to be totally different, but the person when her ancestors or like her, you know, like were like coming into Ellis Island, they just like didn't know how to spell it. It's like right. misspelled and then that was it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, even the real name. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that I mean, I'm not a thousand percent sure and I wish um my grandfather is sadly not alive anymore, so I can't even like reconfirm this with him, but I, I could should ask other people in my family i'm pretty sure that's what happened to his parents is that they came to ellis island and they just they just they chopped the name yeah they just <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because like for, but for my dad specifically like he took out the, the a because i i have um i have some cousins on my dad's side who are also in the states like they're kind of scattered mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. but they still have like the al or they spelled with an el so like but my mm. dad was like no <laughs> We must remove. Well, in closing of our little chat, I'm curious. I'm sure there's lots of things, but what is one or two things are one or two things that you would like to see change maybe in the art world in general or the the jewelry space or just just any any industry that you that you feel like you're working a part of the dance space any mm-hmm. of those um in regards to the dance space specifically or at least the belly dance space specifically um mm-hmm. there needs to be a lot more inclusivity for body type for skin color for background um and like to me i like i find it extremely strange that a dance that comes from Arab culture has very few Arabs in it mm-hmm. um, that are like at the top. You know, right. or like, you know, and like, yeah, that's something that I, and then like, there's so many black and brown dancers that are just as good. If I, I don't want to say just as good or, or better. Cause like, I mean, it's, it is subjective to an extent or I guess it just mm-hmm. is, it is subjective, but, mm-hmm. um, but like, why are those dancers, never leading the festivals and like why are they never the master teachers at these things like I haven't been to festivals but I just observe yeah um and it's just like and like or like like a a, an online show will be called like oh like middle eastern dance and there's not one middle eastern person in the lineup like things like that oh boy (laughs) yeah it's it's insane um and like everyone's like skinny um, like totally flat stomach and things like that, which again, like <sighs> many people just have that body and that's perfectly fine, but that's not the only, right. which, you know, like it's not the only body out there. Right. Um, right. And yeah, so that's something I want to see in specific, specifically in the, um, belly dance world in terms of arts, like other just arts in general. Um, mm-hmm. 
I feel like it's so huge to have more exposure in school. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Because, and like, not that everyone needs to become an artist, but I feel like everyone would have, like consumers would have so much more respect for artists and for handmade things, handcrafted things, et cetera, um, if they knew what it took. Because everyone always just sees the finished product. And then we're so used to mass produced things that... Um, or like, you know, something that costs like $2, but again, it's because it was made by either a machine or like a laborer somewhere not right. paid enough right. um, or respected enough. And so like they see that and then they see something, you know, somewhat similar, but it's actually handmade and it costs like four times, 40 times who, you know, who knows. Um, right. And then they're like, oh, why is it that much? That's stupid. I can just go to Ikea or I can just go to, you know, Walmart and get the same. It's like, it's not the same thing because it's made by hand. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and and I, I just feel like a huge part of that because like, for example, like not that I've always for example, loved singers, right? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. personally sing, um, mm-hmm. but I'm studying uh, Arabic music theory. And so I don't have, I don't own a melodic instrument, uh, at least not yet. And so the only thing I have to use is my, is my voice. Hmm. Um, and so while I've always respected singers, it wasn't until I had to use my voice and try to sing to, you know, it's like it, it, you, you gain a whole different level of respect. Right. Um, and I just feel like if we educate people from when they're young, but then also encourage it like as adults to, you know, try out like a drawing class or, um, I think even like, for example, if you're, if you're, if you're going to become a doctor, like I feel like you should take a drawing class. Mm. Um, because a, like if, especially if you want to be, you're going to be using your hands, especially if you're like a surgeon, but like you gain hand skills and then you learn to like view the body, um, in a different way. I feel like drawing is a great way to study anatomy. Like, I don't know. I I just feel like it, like all different types of art can connect to just everything. Um, so yeah, I think just education and making it not necessarily mandatory, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shove art down everyone's throat um but how about how about we start with uh getting it funded <laughs> absolutely oh my god yeah no, yeah but but i mean having it in in schools more would require funding in it mm-hmm. and then also i feel like um something that covid has just the whole situation has made me think about is just like like you know i everyone knows an artist who has like their day job and then they do their craft on the side Um, but then with so many people not having an outlet, but then also so many people having UI, which I think is amazing. And like, I just wish there was, I mean, I'm also, um, I support like universal base income, Mm -hmm. um, because I'm just thinking like how many artists would be able to like, just focus so much more on, on what we do if, you know, cause like the whole starving artist trope doesn't have to be a thing. Right. Like it shouldn't right. be. <laughs> yeah, you um, don't have to suffer to make good art. Yeah, exactly. And like everyone consumes art whether they realize it or not. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, and like so we should everything should I don't know, it should be support. I I, I, I can go on a whole rant. It'll be like a whole other talk or like 3 hours of me just <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but yeah, like I guess to some like the, the TLDR version mm-hmm. is just like funding education um accessibility and like support for because like for example like if, if there were funding it would reach 
um, probably like cis white communities first, rich, you know, like, uh-huh. like straight. So like including all these other subsets because there's not only one type of person, um, but then certain right. types of people, whether it's sexual orientation, gender, race, um, etc. Like not everyone's treated the same. And so even these, if these resources were to sort of be kickstarted, like it would not be even. Right. Um, And being, you know, really truly inclusive with that funding and that education and that exposure, like it all has to, it's, there's so many things to juggle. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like so many things. It's, it's a, it's a big problem. So there has to be like a cyclical solution. It's not, it's not just one thing we have to do. We have to fix lots of different things. It's like all the well, legs on the chair are messed up. You have to fix all the legs for the chair. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's a great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this was such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for coming to chat with me. Um, where should people find you slash follow you on the internet? Um, so for those who have Facebook, um, Sound of Mazika is my uh, business page or you can just add me angie a-n-g-i-e-a-s-s-a-l but um if you want to follow just like my my jewelry stuff uh mazika is m-a-z-z-i-k-a great um and then instagram is just my name angie asa eventually i'll make that <laughs> instagram page for for my work but until then um inst- <laughs> that's the way to find me on um instagram and uh if somebody would want to purchase anything from me mm-hmm. um my website is just soundofmazika.com um and mazika is just another word like uh one of the arabic words for music oh okay wonderful yeah so those are the best options and then like if people want to email me my email is on the website and stuff like that so perfect yeah perfect so i will um hyperlink all of those things in the show notes and all the different places where i can link things (laughs) thank you this is really cool thank you so much i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of fashion for all Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks.